Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. We are starting a new series called Galatians, the book of Galatians, that is. Well, it's actually called Live Free or Die, and we know that's our state motto, right? Um, The book of Galatians is all about freedom. And we're going to be going over the next few weeks through the book of Galatians. Today, we're going to take um, a stab at Galatians chapter 1. If you'll take your Bibles, open them up. Um, we are going to be diving into that. Uh, before we do, I, I want to let you know I, I had a flashback experience last night. My sons went out garage sailing uh, yesterday morning, and they came back with the six CD or DVD set of Night Rider. And um, I had uh, an opportunity last night to sit down with my boys and watch a few episodes. How many people remember Knight Rider? Oh, yes. Kit, I see there's some strangers in the woods over there. Come over here and get me. Um, so Michael Hasselhoff, he was uh, the star of Knight Rider. Oh, sorry, David Hasselhoff. His name was Michael in the, that's right, in Knight Rider. And the car's name was, see you guys, it's just, I have to say though, it was pretty interesting watching it, how we've progressed in our production quality as a car jumps over and you see the ramp that they already had in the film (laughs) where he just jumped, it was, or or going through a big wall and it's like cardboard boxes falling down as he's going through the wall. My kids got a kick out of it. Well, um, Galatians, do you mind if I just pray first, is that Okay. Father, I just thank you so much for your word that transforms our heart. For your Holy Spirit that is here with us today that takes the words that I speak, which I hope are from you, and you translate it into things that we need to personally hear. So, Father, I pray that each one here this morning would walk out of here saying, I've been touched by you, Jesus. The Father, that their commitment to be here in church was not a commitment of just time, but God, it is a reward for that time because you've planted seeds that will transform our lives. So thank you, Lord, for this time to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. So Galatians. Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, and um, it was written to the people or the church in Galatia. Galatia was a location in modern-day Turkey, and um, Paul, who was a missionary, who was an apostle, he would get works started. Uh, This was a church that he most likely founded. Um, This letter was most likely written in either between 40 or 50 A.D., and um, the original letters are, are not to be found, but they do have the closest letter to Back in the time, they used to always transpose these letters, so it would get shared from place to place, and they didn't have photocopies back then, so they'd have scribes who would, um, who would write these letters out and copy them. Well, the earliest they found is a, is a letter, uh, the Galatians, in, in uh, 250 AD, 250 AD, so not that long after the original letter was written. Um, so something you need to know about Paul, who wrote this. Because it's going, to be, it's going to put us in context to what he first writes in chapter 1. Paul, who was originally from Tarsus, which actually had the privilege to see um, his house uh, when I was in Turkey earlier this year. And um, it's actually just ruins, but 
they found where his house was, and, and in, Tar- in Tarsus, that town or that city still exists today. And uh, Paul was a, a highly educated guy. He was very, very smart. He was brought up in the Jewish tradition, of, uh, and their religion was Judaism um, at the time. And there were a couple sects of Judaism. There were the Pharisees and there were the Sadducees, and he was of the sect of the Pharisees, which were the most strict and most stringent in keeping the rules. Now, the Pharisees would, um, would be highly educated, highly studied um, in Moses' writings, and so a lot of the Old Testament. And they would have to go through a regiment of, of rabbinical school. And he went to school um, in Jerusalem, which was the top school of all schools for Judaism. He was highly, highly passionate, highly motivated, highly motivated to accomplish great things. He was smart and motivated. He was so motivated that he started, he so believed he was right, he started persecuting Christians as a Pharisee. He called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he, he believed that he was an elite Pharisee. I say that to put it in context to what he's about to write. We also know that Paul had a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And where an angel of the Lord came and, and met with him. And then he spent three years in the Arabian desert... And people felt like he was taught by the Lord in that, in that solitude time. And then he came back and he started his missionary journey. A transformed man, understanding that Judaism was not the answer. It was following Jesus Christ, which was the answer. And so that just puts it in context. So I want to start reading. If you have your Bibles, we'll, we'll read together. And then we're going to be talking about um, our motivations. We're going to be talking about our motivations. But let's start right at the beginning here. Chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's his introduction to his letter. Verse 6. I am astonished that you so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So, So Paul doesn't wait and give a lot of fluff. He's already bringing correction to the Galatian church. He's saying, you've deserted what it is that I first taught you. Nor that there should be another, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. (laughs) He doesn't mince his words, does he? He's like, okay, if you guys start believing something different than what I've already told you, you're cursed. He was pretty confident in what he was called to. He's pretty confident in his message. And then here he goes. For I am now seeking, for 
Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can already tell in his writings, he's not too concerned about pleasing men, is he? He's pretty concerned about making sure they get it right. Verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by men is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the idea here is his encounter that he first had with Jesus or the Spirit of Christ on the road to Damascus, that conversion experience, and then his three years in the desert in solitude, he was saying that he received this revelation of Jesus in this gospel. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone." Again, was he trying to please man? He says, I I didn't need to consult with anybody. I was confident in what it was that God was speaking to me. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. He, He was trained by Galileo, I believe it was. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was he was trained by I have it under here. Yeah, Gamiel. Gamiel was, he was, he was the, trained under that rabbi. And so, and in, in, in Jerusalem where he was at school, so again, he would feel like, do I need the approval of going to the institution that taught me? But yet he was so confident in the revelation of what he had with Jesus Christ that he was confident in that. So in verse 17 says, In order to go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So that Arabia is where he spent three years in the desert. There we go. In verse 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother. Interesting that he mentions James. We just finished the book of James, the brother of Jesus who wrote James. So Paul interacted with him for a little while. I'm going to stop right there, and I want to have you think about something for a moment. The question I have for you this morning is, what motivates you? Or let me phrase it this way, what are you motivated to? What motivates you? Or what are you motivated to? When you get up in the morning, what are you excited for? What, when you say, I'm going to put effort towards this, because effort is, a, you have to be motivated to put effort towards it. Or maybe you're saying, you know, I don't have any motivation, which really means you're motivated to do nothing. 
Think about it for a moment. What motivates you? The business deal? Raising a family? Building a nest egg? Getting out of debt? Securing that great job? What motivates you? You see, Paul was a highly motivated guy. At a very young age, he was very determined what he was wanting to accomplish. He wanted to be a Pharisee. He was zealous in his faith, and he was determined to excel beyond everybody else, and he knew very well who he was because he says he was very aware that he was excelling greater than a lot of other people his same age. And he was so motivated towards this faith of Judaism that he began to persecute Christians because he felt like they were not doing it right. I'm going to show everybody I am so confident, so secure. I'm so motivated that I'm going to start persecuting these Christians. You see, our motivations will eventually bring us to a direction. Look at this slide of, of our motivations will eventually move us in a direction. They move us directionally. Why? Because what we're motivated to, we're, our life gets moved to. What we're motivated to, our life gets moved to. You see, if this is our motivation in life, it will send us in a direction. So my question is, what are we motivated to? What are, what are our motivations? Because it will move us. It will set us in a direction. Motives move us. Could you just turn to your neighbor right now and say, motives move us. Motives move us. And they're going to move us into a positive place or they're going to move us into a negative place. How many times have we heard CEOs who finally get to the top of their corporation only to find that that is the most lonely, non-rewarding place to be? Because they've achieved what they thought was going to give this, this feeling of great success. But then they realized, what do they say? It's their ladder was going against the wrong wall and they climbed to the top of the ladder and they just say, it's, I was leaning against the wrong wall the whole time. Statistically, CEOs um, have a high rate of suicide. Because they climb, they're so motivated to get to a certain place in life and then only to find it's the, it's the wrong place that they were motivated towards. My question for each one of us is, what are you motivated to? You had some thoughts in your minds. When you wake up in the morning, and I want to challenge us this morning to realize that there needs a point in time where we might just need a correction or we might need an awakening or we might need to be, have a change of direction or motives like Paul did. Because we can have great motives, we can have wrong motives, 
For instance, are you motivated by pleasing people? Are you motivated by success? Are you motivated by how people view you? Paul, who I believe was highly motivated for success, Paul, who I believe was highly motivated by what other people thought of him, you know why I know that? Because he was very aware of what other people's status was and how he ranked against them. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm far more educated and far more zealous than anybody else my own age. Highly motivated to accomplish great things. He wanted to be the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He wanted, in essence, to be the, the President of the United States. He was that motivated. But then he came a point in time where he realized that his motivations were heading him the wrong direction in life. And thankfully, Jesus intervened. Thankfully, Jesus intervened. And this morning, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to intervene in your life. As we put a pause in our life this morning to say what motivates you. And are you motivated by the right thing? If you look at this one scripture of Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, for I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? See, he had a shift to saying, you know what? I was probably seeking the approval of men before. And that's what motivated me to, to be so zealous because he cared what other people were thinking. But now he's saying, I'm o- I only care about pleasing God. I only care about pleasing God. Or am I trying to please man, he says, if I were still trying to please man, so there he goes, it, he indicates that he was probably trying to please man, or would I be a servant of Christ? You see, what motivates us moves us. And what direction in life are we being moved towards? Are we moved towards closer, a closer relationship with Christ? Are we moved towards the world's success? Are we moved towards what we care what God thinks? Or are we moved by we care what people think? Because what, where our motivations are is what moves us. And I would like to challenge each one of us to really look at our motivations in life. And say, God, when I wake up in the morning, does the first thing that come to mind is I get to spend time with you today? Does the first thing that enters your mind when you wake up in the morning says, God, I get to be your representative today in the world that you're called, you asked me to live in? When you wake up in the morning, what are your motives? Are your motives of how do I look today so I can get that promotion? Do I, how do I look today so I can please people? How do I, what are you thinking about? What is your motivation in the morning? 
Now, I'm not saying it's, it's not good to have great goals in life. I'm not saying it's, it's okay to have some motivations to, to accomplish things in life. But I'm saying your priority of your motives will eventually move you. And I have to question, where are we being moved to? Where are we being moved to? And are we going to be happy if you began to say, look at your motivations today and then, then play that out 10 years? Because your motivations will move us in a direction. And we'll end up somewhere. And the question we have to ask, are we going to be happy with where we're going to end up in 10 years from now? Paul, if he kept on the journey that he was on without Jesus intervening, he would have been a miserable, mean man. Legalistic. No, not life-giving, out to get people, but yet Jesus intervened. And he says, Paul, I love your zeal. I love your passion, but it has been misplaced. I need you to reroute your life and change your motives. Instead of trying to please man, would you try to please me? I've got a plan and a purpose for you. See, this is the thing we need to understand. God has uniquely designed each one of you. And he has placed you on this earth for a purpose. He's planted seeds of destiny inside each one of you. And he wants you to get to where he's designed you to be. But it's got to start in the heart. And where that starts in the heart, it has to start talking about our motives. What motivates us? What compels us? Because our motives will move us. How much time do you spend reading God's word during the week? How much time do you spend praying in solitude, in devotion? How much time do you have to look at the needs of others? How much time do you slow your life down enough to begin to hear the Holy Spirit's voice and say, hey, hey, can you meet this need right now? I have to say that I'm speaking this message not just to you, but I'm speaking it to me. I've been on this journey the last couple of months to really begin to self-reflect on some areas of my life I've been going too fast for too long. And as much as I, have, I read the Bible and I have a devotional time and, and these types of things, they are all about, I know these are important in my life and therefore I've got to pack them all in. But I've been going at such a rapid pace that I realize that, wait a second, why am I going at such a, such a rapid pace? And I have to question, what are my motivations? And I'd have to say that my motivations are to please Jesus. Yes. But I also want people to think that I'm doing a good job. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting people to think you're doing a good job. But if that's what your motivation is, 
then you're going to be trying to please people. And the last time I checked, people-pleasing doesn't get you very far. (laughs) But God-pleasing does. But God-pleasing does. And so I've had to take a hard look and saying, what is motivating Mark Warren? What is motivating me? When I get up in the morning, am I ex- what am I excited about that I'm able to put my hand to? And I want to say that my motivation wants to be and needs to be, Jesus, what do you have for me to do today? Some people think, well, hey, just because you're in church work, of course, you're putting your hand to, to Christ-centered things all day long. Well, you know, the church is also an organization. There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of tasks. There's a lot of organizing to do. And we can get so caught up in the doing of church that will miss the very heartbeat of Jesus and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. You see, I bet Paul felt like when he first started in pursuing his career in Judaism to be a Pharisee, that he felt probably pretty good that he's accomplishing some great things for God. See, in Judaism, they still talk about God. They just didn't know about Jesus the Savior. And it became about the activity, and it came about the work, and it came about the, the ritual. But it stole the very life out of him. And my encouragement for you, I want the best for you. And the best for you is when we learn to follow Jesus. That our motivations are to please him and to please him alone. Yes, do a great job at work. Yes, pursue a great career. Yes, follow those things that that you know to be a great husband, a wife, or a a great child. But it starts with our motivation. My question is, how much time is the first thing you do when you pop out of bed to get on your phone? Check out the latest happenings the night before is the first thing you do when you get out of bed is open the Bible. See, where our motivations are, it moves us. It moves us directionally in life. Where our motivations are, it moves us. And I want us, church, to be moved in the right direction. I want us, church, to be moved in such a place that we finish our day, Jesus looks at us and says, well done. Well done. Well done. What are your motivations? Because they will move you. And where is your life being moved to? Are you living for the weekend? Is that the, what motivates you? I can hardly wait to the weekend. Well, you're going to be pretty motivated just to look for that weekend. <laughs> I don't know what your motives are, but I think it might be a great time for this afternoon 
to take a few moments and ponder those motives. If Richie can come back at this time. It can start now. But I want you to personally commit. If you care about where your life is heading, we need to care about our motives. Because our motives move us. Paul had a life-altering experience. But what completely shaped him was not just the experience, but the three years of devotion, of solitude. I think our world is going too fast. I think we are living too fast. And we don't spend enough time being quiet before the Lord. I believe it's in that moment that he can begin to teach us about what's the depths of our soul, what is in the heart of our motivation. And then we begin to self-reflect and say, God, I just don't want anything except what you have for me. I don't want to wake up one day and say, how did I get here? This is not what I intended for my life. But if you trace it back, You got there because of a motive. There was something that compelled you that thought that you needed to get there. But then when you get there, you said, that's not where I wanted to be. Jesus knows where you should be. He's the one who wants to be the director of your life. But it starts with our motives which are to please Him. To spend time with Him, to get to know Him, the one who designed us, the one who made us, the one who has a plan for us. The great thing is, is you can, you can look at your life now and say, ooh, I'm, I'm not where I want to be. But every day is a fresh start day for you. Tomorrow is a brand new day and you can change the outcome of that day tomorrow. It's by the way you start your day. It's by the way that you choose to have your motives aligned with what are the things that will please God versus pleasing yourself. He's got a great plan for you, church. (laughs) Oh, man. I love when he does this. Sometimes God speaks to me in weird ways, but I, I, I see a little life bubble over some of your heads. And what I see is joy. I see laughter. I see deep satisfaction. I see retirement years. But every life bubble has this sense of great peace and contentment and joy in it. And I, and I think those, that's the fruit of when we chase after Jesus, after chasing after a wrong motivation. Would you take some time this afternoon and do a little life inventory, just 15 minutes, be quiet, be still, write some things down. Where are my motivations?
If I stay on this path, am I going to be happy with what my life looks like 10 years from now? Or do I need to make a change and allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life that tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to be starting to change my motivations? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for looking at Paul's life in the book of Galatians. Lord, if you can take a guy like Paul who had such wrong motivations when he started his life, and yet you interrupted his life and then he became probably the second most influential person of Christendom. You can do that with us. There's always fresh starts. There's always new beginnings. There's always fresh revelations. There's always fresh insights. But Lord, let us slow down our life enough to have moments to reflect in the depths of who we are. To say, Jesus, are my motives right? There's some of you who are actually saying, I, I've mentioned a lot of, of proactive motives, but some of you, your motives, you feel like you could never measure up, that you're not strong enough, you're not good enough, and so you're, you're not motivated to pursue the greatness that God has placed inside of you. And God is wanting to correct that in you lovingly say, wait a second, you're thinking way too low of yourself. You're thinking way too low of yourself. I have placed eternity inside of you and I've placed a destiny that is so phenomenal inside of you. But you've settled. Your expectations are too low. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would raise their head. That they would stop listening to the lies of the world that, yeah, look, at, I didn't even finish high school. Yeah, look, I didn't accomplish this. Yeah, all these people have said this about me. They're probably right. <laughs> no. You've spoken life. You've spoken purpose. And you've planted seeds inside of each one of us for greatness. Let our motives be in line with you, Jesus. Let our only audience be of you, Jesus. Let our concern of what, who we're pleasing be you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 